Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of season 3 of the Wormbrother Podcast. I am your host, Justin, and for this week, we will be breaking down the competition of the CONCACAF Champions League and the history behind it as well. Since we've done so many interviews, I wanted to go back to the original setup of what we were doing with this podcast and wanted to go over some competitions and the history of those competitions, as well as the ending the episode on the Wormburner News section for this week. We've got a lot to talk about, actually, and a lot of controversy coming from the mouth of Cristiano Ronaldo, just to give you a little hint of what's going on with the Wormburner News section. If you have not already, go ahead and check out our website, the-wormburner-podcast.captivate.fm. You also have our Facebook, at Wormburner Podcast, and then also our Twitter, at Wormburner PDCST. Again, that handle is at Wormburner. PDCST. Let's go ahead and get into this week's episode. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen. So, for our first section of the Wormbutter podcast, we will be going over the history and the competition of the CONCACAF Champions League. So, for those of you that do not know, the competition was originally founded in 1962, so it is a grand total of 61 years old this year, and the competition has seen a drastic change in its format over the last couple of decades and I wanted to go ahead and of course start at the beginning with the Champions Cup era between 1962 and 2008. There was a lot of formats between this time frame so the initial setup of the CONCACAF Champions League or the CONCACAF Champions Cup, as it was known back then. Uh, The original format was put into three zones as a competition between uh, North America, Central America, and the Caribbean between 1962 and 1996. And typically, whenever it came to the zoning of these two or of these three regions, I should say, my apologies, it was uh, nine times out of ten, one winner from each zone would qualify for the next round, and it was typically uh, one of those zones would automatically qualify for the final, and then the other two zones would compete against each other in a, in a technical semifinal uh, when the winner of that would go on to the final, of course, and then so on and so forth till the winner was declared. But uh, once once this format was removed in 1996 the knockout format uh, was put into place between 1997 and 2008 Uh, at least in my personal opinion this is probably one of the most basic forms of the of the competition in its history a grand total of eight teams competed in this tournament when it came to the zonal qualifications uh, and each of the knockout rounds of this tournament was both home and away. The original knockout round format was between one ties or or one tie games in the neutral location between 1997 and 2002 until it was switched to a home and away format for the knockout rounds. And with the overall complexity that's about it when it came to this format of the competition 
when it came to the Champions League era, so when it was changed officially to the CONCACAF Champions League in 2008, uh, at least personally for me, this was my favorite rendition or format of the CONCACAF Champions League because it was the closest resemblance of the UEFA Champions League in Europe. And so for that, uh, it was a grand total of 24 teams uh, were brought into the competition from the original eight between 1997 and 2008. It was expanded to 24 teams, and it was actually started in a group stage format. So much like the UEFA Champions League, they would start in groups, and so from there, eight winners would advance to the next round of the competition, to which it would then turn into a two-legged affair for the remaining legs of the CONCACAF Champions League. Or much like the South American version of the Champions League, the Copa Libertadores was also has also been two legs up until recently. I think it was one of the more recent years. I think in 2020 or 2021, they switched it to a one-leg affair. But... Overall, this, at least in my opinion, was the best rendition of the CONCACAF Champions League because, again, it was much like the overall format of the UEFA Champions League, and I, I, I liked that, being able to introduce that kind of knowledge and, and being able to have something close to, closer to home uh, that resembles something like in Europe. And I definitely miss this format. Uh, that took place between 2008 and 2017. Uh, but then in 2008, the CONCACAF Champions League was reformatted and the addition of the CONCACAF League was added. And so this was a, a separate competition and in a way, it it's, it closely resembles the, the UEFA Europa League. And through winning the CONCACAF League, you got a spot in the CONCACAF Champions League, although it's a little more complicated than that because it's a bigger competition. But overall, this would end the group stage of the CONCACAF Champions League in 2018. And with that, it would essentially go back to the overall knockout round format that was it had been started with beforehand and so from there we are going to another rendition of the CONCACAF Champions League in 2024 next this next year we will be going from 24 teams to having an additional three teams added to the competition originally when the major overhaul was added apparently it was said that it would be ha it would have 50 teams and a regional group stage 20 teams from north america 20 teams from central america and 10 teams from the caribbean qualifying for this competition i, I think that would have been really cool but overall i definitely think the overwhelming of games would have played a, a major factor in this and possibly why they created the League's Cup instead uh, and kind of broke down the CONCACAF Champions League a little bit more. And so the overall participation of these 27 of these new 27 teams going into 2024, six teams will qualify from the, the Liga MX, which is the Mexican League, five clubs from the MLS, two clubs from the Canadian Premier League, 
one from the U.S. Open Cup, being the winner itself, one from the Canadian Championship, again being the winner as well, three from the League's Cup, and then six from the Central America Cup, which is a recent addition and I believe replaced the CONCACAF League uh, as of this previous year, but I'm not entirely sure. And then also three clubs qualifying from the Caribbean Club Championship or the Caribbean Cup, uh, which has been a competition for a while now. But overall, the structure of how these competitions all form together has changed drastically over the past decade. And to be 100% honest, as a football person trying to follow and look at all of these formats, it, it can definitely be a little confusing even for myself. And I, I hope that I was able to explain and to bring back the overall history of the competition for you guys. And since its original rendition in the 1960s, there have been a lot of winners of this competition, mainly from the country of Mexico, of course, because the overall status of the CONCACAF Champions League comes primarily from Mexico, uh, with the most CONCACAF Champions League titles coming from Mexico, of course, 38 of the CONCACAF Champions League titles have come from Mexico. And then in second place, you have Costa Rica with six Champions League titles under their belt. The United States is tied for third with three titles, as well as El Salvador with three titles uh, under their belt. And then the rest goes as follows. Suriname with two Guatemala with two, Trinidad and Tobago with two, Honduras with two, Haiti with two, and then runner-up appearances in the final from Cuba and Canada. And so with that, we also have the overall winners of the competition itself. The most CONCACAF Champions League titles or Champions League titles in general from the CONCACAF region is CF America with seven under their belt, again from Mexico. The first one coming in 1977 and the latest one coming in 2016. In second place, you have Cruz Azul with six titles under their belt. The first one coming in 1969 and the latest one coming in 2014. In third place, we have a two-way tie between Pachuca with five and Monterrey with five. Pachuca having their first title in 2002 and their latest one in 2017. Monterrey with their five titles, the first one coming in 2011 and the latest one coming in 2021. And in fifth place with a two-way tie, you have Deportivo Saprissa with three titles under their belt, the first one coming in 1993 and their latest one in 2005. And then in that tied fifth position, you have Club Universidad Nacional AC or better known for their nickname as Pumas, uh, with three titles under their belt, the first one coming in 1980, and the latest one in 1989 being their last CONCACAF Champions League title. Overall, this has seen a dominance of Mexico, as I had stated before, but the United States, I'm hoping, will be able to turn it around within the next couple of years, maybe even next decade, the United States won it the previous year with the Seattle Sounders, and of course this year, 
having the final between LAFC and Lyon, which sadly LAFC just did not turn up for the game at all. I sadly watched it, and it was not the team that I expected to show up on the field, and overall it was just a a bad showing from the United States side in LAFC. I was really hoping they were able to overturn the sad final when it came to the COVID-19 edition of the CONCACAF Champions League playing Tigres in the final and and I remember that game very vividly LAFC got up first with one goal and then Tigres just came back and absolutely smashed them because uh, the overall team decided to just set back and let Mexico have the ball which or let Tigres have the ball sorry I said Mexico but I, I meant Tigres and just overall a horrendous showing from LAFC for for that game and and so I was I was hoping to have a different result here but overall I I definitely expect the United States to come back here in the next 10 years and hopefully win a couple more CONCACAF Champions League titles and, and get a better standing here in CONCACAF so with that being said let's go ahead and get into the worm burner news section for this week Alright, so for this week's Wormburner news section, let's go ahead and start with the news of, of course, Messi starting his first week here in Miami or in the United States in Miami. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he can do and being able to see how far he can take this, help this inner Miami side in the MLS. I, Currently, as we speak, Miami are dead last in the MLS Eastern Conference. And so from there, I'm not entirely sure how he'll be able to adapt into the team in sense of position. I mean, because overall you have Josep Martinez as well as other attacking talent for the side I'm not entirely sure how the formation would work if they would try to put him in an attacking midfield position if they would be filing him into a attacking right midfielder position it overall they could even put him at a, as a second striker as well uh, with uh, Martinez as well so I think that could probably work out but Overall, the buzz going around Inter-Miami as well with Busquets coming there as well. And then also we have the possibility of Jordi Alba going as well. Uh, Contracts have apparently taken place and I believe the announcement of the transfer is imminent. There's also a bit of news on the horizon that apparently Inter-Miami are in talks with Gremio to sign Luis Suarez to the side, which would honestly be a really interesting signing, and at least personally for me, I don't know how they would do it, because apparently, I'm, I'm not entirely sure which of the of the contracts when it came to the previous three that I had mentioned. Of course, I feel like Messi is, of course, a DP for the Inter-Miami side, but I don't know if the overall side of Jordi Alba or Sergio Busquets would also be a DP. I think Busquets was not a DP. He was taken from TAM. His contract was was covered from the TAM 
money for Inter Miami, but I'm not entirely sure of that, so don't quote me on that. But it would be very interesting to see how in the world they would get Luis Suarez over to the United States. I am not entirely sure. He's been doing great with Gremio. And is that even something that he would be interested in? Of course, with his ex-teammate Lionel Messi coming to the side, it would definitely increase the value of essentially Inter Miami getting him. But I think we'll definitely see and look forward to the news that could be coming in the next couple of weeks of that happening. Apparently, the overall talks of Luis Suarez and Inter Miami. Uh, the only thing that has not been able to be agreed upon is the overall transfer fee itself, which is interesting to say the least. Apparently, everything else could be not o- not only just agreed upon, but an overall agreement has been made over the rest of the negotiations having to do with this transfer. So uh, I look for that to possibly happen within the next couple of weeks, but overall this could see a structural change of the rules having to do with the MLS which I definitely think could be happening in the near future, especially with signing somebody like Lionel Messi. But I want to go ahead and get to the rest of the news before I come back to the MLS with our last little bit of news, which I think you guys might already have an idea of. But the latest having to do with the Barclays Premier League, more specifically towards transfers, I wanted to bring up the possibility of another Premier League signing having to do with going to the Saudi Pro League. That individual goes by the name of Alain Saint-Maximin. Apparently, Newcastle had been contacted by a Saudi Pro League side to sign him. Manager Eddie Howe has said that apparently the contacts have been made. He doesn't want Saint-Maximin to leave. But apparently the the negotiations are ongoing, which would be a very interesting move to say the least. I definitely think that St. Maximan has more time in Europe. I don't think, at least in, in my opinion, I don't think he should go to the Saudi Pro League. I think there is more enjoyment staying in Europe until the later parts of his career and then he can go to the Saudi Pro League. That's at least personally for me. I don't know where his ideals lie and especially with signing players like Ruben Neves as well. It's just overall the Saudi Pro League has been able to sign an unbelievable amount of players and even Ruben Neves had come out recently I think within the last couple of days stating that that move was something that he was very happy with and and able to provide for his family uh, in the long term and and that's something that you you obviously cannot argue it's it's a player's choice to be able to go, make those kinds of decisions and if that's the best thing for them that's exactly what they should do and going to St. Maximin of course overall that's something that if he feels like he should do he should do but I definitely think St. Maximin has more to prove in Europe before he goes to the Saudi Pro League but of course that's my opinion and I will definitely be keeping up with that overall transfer having to do with St. Maximin to the Saudi Pro League because ironically enough he is one of my favorite players overall when it comes to the Premier League. He has solid numbers other than Miguel Almiron with Newcastle. He is one of my favorite players 
when it comes to Newcastle specifically. He's just an overall great player, very, very fast, obviously, but just a great player when it comes to the Newcastle attack. But going to our last bit of news having to do with the Wormburner News section, this is where it takes a bit of a controversial turn because, of course, the news breaking today that Cristiano Ronaldo has come out and stated that the Saudi Pro League is better than the MLS. And I wanted to at least weigh in my opinion on this. There is some credit to Cristiano Ronaldo saying this. Of course, you have the financial backing when it comes to the clubs having to do with the Saudi Pro League, being able to sign a bunch of different players like Cristiano Ronaldo, like Ruben Neves. You also have other players like Karim Benzema going, as well as Kudubali as well. You also have, I believe, Mendy from Chelsea has just recently signed with them and so or signed with the Saudi Pro League I mean and you have a whole bunch of other possible signings that could be happening here in the next couple of months but overall you look at the signings having to do with Messi and the overall transfers having to do with the MLS and at least personally for me this is my point of view is that Having to do with the MLS, the only team that seems to be making decisions and making transfers that would make an impact like the Saudi Pro League does, the only team I'm seeing doing that is Inter-Miami. And overall, I definitely think this could be a shift in the overall MLS itself and having to do with the rule changes itself. We could be looking at an even bigger foreign player amount in the future here we could be looking extended dps we could be having four or five dps on a side versus three in the previous years i mean the sky is the limit when it comes to the potential changes that could be happening here in the mls but overall the only team that i see making moves like this is inner miami and that's a big difference compared to the overall teams that are looking to make big money moves for European players. In the Saudi Pro League, you have, again, Karim Benzema and Cristiano Ronaldo have both gone there. Of course, yes, it is in their later years, but I mean, look at Karim Benzema's record going into this last season with Real Madrid. Of course, you could always expect, hey, there could be a drop in form in this next year with him being as old as he is, which, I mean, honestly... The last year, nobody expected him to be as good as he was, but he was, and he had a phenomenal season. And so I look for him to do potentially the same thing in the Saudi Pro League with uh, going against teams like Cristiano Ronaldo's Al Nasir and, and, of course, others. It's just overall, I think the more pull is from the Saudi Pro League right now, but... When it comes to the overall teams themselves and the quality when it comes to the the teams themselves, this is where personally I feel like the MLS is better. And I think there there might be a little bit of stick from the rest of the world when it comes to this, but I, I definitely feel like the quality of play is better in the United States than it is in the Saudi Pro League. And we have more of a financial backing in terms of the original founding of the league 
we have more of a build. We've been able to actually structure something here in the United States that uh, I had actually been a part of a Twitter space with Alexi Lawless, and he even had stated that the United States structure-wise with the MLS is very good, and it is very willing to be adaptable when it comes to situations like the best player in the world coming to the United States and helping that growth going overall over the MLS. And I definitely think that the situation with the Saudi Pro League is something that I'm not entirely sure of. There are overall situations where the Saudi Pro League teams, I think if I'm not mistaken, a few of them are currently under a transfer hiatus or a transfer ban. And uh, because of the fact that some transfers have not been uh, essentially honored with the overall transfer fee that has been requested, and then contracts have also not been paid out apparently as well, I'm not entirely sure of the validity of those claims and some of the stuff having to do with that. But uh, overall, like I had made a joke on, on Twitter, and it, it was in, in sense the same as the... Chinese Super League that there was so much funding jumbled into the the Chinese Super League that it, it essentially folded or not folded but had a dramatic financial impact on the rest of the teams that they weren't able to honor or be able to hold up some of the contracts that they had made overall with the signings that they were making and I don't want a league to go under that same kind of pressure like the Saudi Pro League could be doing, and and I'm not sure of the validity of that, like I had said before, but I was definitely getting whiffs of the Chinese Super League happening in the Saudi Pro League. It could definitely happen, and no league is really safe, and that's where, at least structurally and down to the fundamental soccer that is played here in the U.S. and in the MLS, I actually think Cristiano Ronaldo is wrong when it comes to that, and I know it, it may not it may not go that far, but overall, I definitely think that the United States is better quality-wise when it comes to football that is played. It seems like we have a much more dynamic aspect having to do with football, but of course, with the overall use and playing around the world uh, of course the United States is not the best and I'll be the first to tell you that <laughs> and so overall I, I think that it's an interesting discussion to have and and the whole reason why I brought it on to the Warren Burner News section for all of you to hear my opinion of and I would love to hear your thoughts in the comments of this episode as well as any other comments that you may have about this episode if you have not followed our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Wormburner podcast. You also have our Twitter that I'd love to hear your thoughts at Wormburner PDCST. Again, that is Wormburner PDCST. And then you also have our website, the Wormburner podcast.captivate.fm. I look forward to all of your thoughts and your comments. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you. A million times thank you. And I hope you guys have a fantastic week. And I will see you guys next week on next week's episode. Stay safe, have fun, love soccer. And I'll see you guys next time. Ciao.